This show is a part of the podcast network of the Walled Garden Philosophical Society, an international community of philosophers and seekers dedicated to the pursuit of truth, wisdom, virtue, and the divine, wherever they may be found. To find out more, go to thewalledgarden.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Soul Searching with Seneca. Today I'm going to be finishing off letter number 26 on old age and death, and we're finishing the letter with very much the same theme that's been going from the start, uh, where Seneca is going to give us actually a quote from Epicurus, like usual, uh, on dying well and learning how to die. Uh, This is a theme that we've seen from Seneca multiple times, and so I'm going to discuss a little bit more about that after we've read these few verses, but just note as well that uh, something that always makes me laugh with Seneca when I I find these sorts of passages is sometimes he just really waffles on, and so it does take quite a while for him to get to the point at the start of these few verses, Uh, but uh, nonetheless, he always manages to get there. So, I'm going to start reading. We're reading, as I said, from uh, verse 8 through till 10, which is the end of the letter, and then we'll see what we can take away from it. All right, so he says, quote, I was just intending to stop, and my hand was making ready for the closing sentence. But the rites are still to be performed, and the travelling money for the letter dispersed. And just assume that I am not telling where I intend to borrow the necessary sum. You know upon whose coffers I depend. Wait for me but a moment, and I will pay you from my own account. Meanwhile, Epicurus will oblige me with these words. Think on death. Or rather, if you would prefer the phrase, on migration to heaven. The meaning is clear, that it is a wonderful thing to learn thoroughly how to die. You may deem it superfluous to learn a text that can be used only once, but that is just the reason why we ought to think on a thing. When we can never prove whether we really know a thing, we must always be learning it. Think on death. In saying this, he bids us to think on freedom. He who has learned to die has unlearned slavery. He is above any external power, or at any rate, he is beyond it. What terrors have prisoners and bonds and bars for him? His way out is clear. There is only one chain which binds us to life, and that is the love of life. The chain may not be cast off. But it may be rubbed away, so that, when necessity shall demand, nothing may retard or hinder us from being ready to do at once that which at some time we are bound to do. Farewell. End quote. Alright, so as I said, Seneca waffles a little bit at the start, but eventually he gets into the nitty-gritty of what he's trying to get across to us, which is this quote from Epicurus, think on death, or Seneca uh, suggests that we might even think about it as uh, think on the migration to heaven which is quite interesting, and I have to do a little bit of research to uh, figure out why he would uh, suggest that that uh, might be an alternative way to think about it. Uh, But nonetheless, uh, he gives us some interesting ideas here, nothing really new, nothing that is uh, different to what he has talked about uh, previously in relation to death, but it's always good to be reminded of these ideas that Seneca is trying to get across to us. 
And the meaning that Seneca takes away from this quote of think on death is that what we should be doing is learning thoroughly how to die. And then he kind of suggests that, well, maybe you're sitting there thinking, uh, well, why should I be learning something that I'm only going to be able to use once? And he makes a very interesting point here. I love this. Uh, He says, uh, when we can never prove whether we really know a thing, we must always be learning it. And I'm really fascinated by this idea because I think that so many of the things that we are trying to learn about uh, under the umbrella of philosophy or theology are those exact things, that we can never fully prove that we know these things. uh, But nonetheless, we are always seeking a deeper knowledge of these things or a deeper embodiment within ourselves of these things. Uh, You might think of something like wisdom. Wisdom is something that you can never really fully prove that you have attained wisdom. uh, But nonetheless, it's something that you should uh, constantly be trying to uh, attain or trying to uh, deepen your understanding of its nature. Nature. Something like virtue is the same thing. Uh, you know, tell me one person who uh, truly knows virtue who you can point to and say that is definitely 100% a virtuous person and they know what virtue is. Uh, it's something that requires a wrestling. We're constantly trying to figure out what is virtue, what is the path of virtue. The same thing goes in theology for for the question of God. Uh, you know, you think about this this uh, ultimate reality that we've all been trying to figure out for uh, pretty much all of human history. And it's something that requires our constant wrestling, our constant attention to to develop a deeper understanding of uh, this idea of God or this ultimate reality. And so what Seneca is saying here is when it comes to these sorts of things that we can never fully prove that we know, uh, the fact that you can never fully prove that you can know them, right, uh, means that you should be trying to actively seek them out and seek an understanding of what they are and what their nature is. And so when it comes to death, death is one of those things that Seneca believes, well, you know, you can never truly know uh, what death is, what it means for us, what's on the other side, you might say. Uh, and so it's something that we need to learn constantly uh, how to how to come to terms with, how to deal with, how to um, and how to die honorably, he might say. And so I want to keep on reading because he says here, think on death. In saying this, he, he being uh, Epicurus, bids us to think on freedom. Seneca goes on to say that he who has learned to die has unlearned slavery. He is above any external power, or at any rate, he is beyond it. What terrors have prisons and bonds and bars for him? His way out is clear. And so the point that Seneca is trying to get across in these couple of lines is that learning how to die is the same thing as learning how to be free. And it's important to read the next couple of lines again as well, uh, because this will help us to understand perhaps why Seneca is saying that learning how to die is the same as learning how to be free. He says, There is only one chain which binds us to life, and that is the love of life. This chain may not be cast off, but it may be rubbed away, so that when necessity shall demand, nothing may retard or hinder us from being ready to do at once that which at some time we are bound to do. 
So what I might do is pull together a couple of ideas that we know Seneca espouses uh, that can probably, you might say, dance well with this idea of learning to die in order to find freedom and and learning to uh, kind of rub away the chains that bind us to life, right? And I think that these few ideas that I'll bring together now can help us to understand better uh, where Seneca is going with, with this particular idea. And so one of the things that we've seen in his letters from the start is this idea that what is really truly good is the goods of the soul. You might say the character, uh, the mind, right? Uh, and, and so the spirit and the soul. So these are the things that, uh, or this is the thing, right, uh, that ultimately Seneca believes to be of the highest good. He believes that the soul is superior to the body. And so one of the things that Seneca is trying to teach us in his letters is to try and attain those goods of the soul. That means wisdom, that means virtue, right? That means goodness, that means honor. And what we start to see when we seek these sorts of things above other things like external goods is that it's really true what Seneca also teaches, that uh, it's not the length of your life that matters, truly. It's, you might say, the depth of your life that matters. It's the depth of your experience and the goodness that you brought into the world, the goodness that you uh, brought within yourself and into the world around you. That's what's going to truly uh, lead to a meaningful uh, and, and, and a beautiful eudaimonic life, you might say. And what Seneca then goes on to teach us is uh, once we know that the true good resides in the soul and that, you know, the length of life isn't as important as the depth or the bringing forward of the goods of our soul, right? Uh, then he kind of takes it uh, that extra step and says, what you should do ultimately is live your life in such a way that you are ready at any point to leave life if you are being forced into a position where the only option is for you to make something that was once pure, unpure or unclean, or to make something that was once good, evil, or to make something that was once uh, wise, unwise or virtuous, unvirtuous. And I think that there's a story that Seneca tells about a young Spartan uh, that can really help us to understand uh, what he's trying to get across in these few uh, ideas that he's giving us here. Uh, and I know that we've shared this story multiple times on the podcast, but nonetheless, uh, Seneca kind of recalls this story of the Spartan who was captured as a slave. And what happens is uh, when he is ordered to do his first task, which Seneca mentions is to uh, something degrading, like taking a chamber pot or something like that. This young Spartan basically says in his native tongue, I will not be a slave. And he runs and cracks his head against the wall and dies. And to, to Seneca, this was extremely honorable. Seneca really liked this example because Seneca's thinking, well, this kid gets it. He really gets it. He doesn't have that clinging attachment to life, right? He has learned how to die. And therefore, he has at the same time learned how to be truly free meaning he doesn't have to do anything that is going to tarnish his otherwise polished soul, right? Uh, he knows that if he's in a situation where the only options are for him to leave life or for him to do something against his own better judgment or uh, against his will to become a slave, in other words, uh, that he would gladly leave life. 
and to put the last piece of the puzzle together uh, in order to show how all these ideas connect and how that is how Seneca felt about this uh, young Spartan slave. Uh, Here's the last couple of lines of this letter once more. Uh, We've read this earlier, but I'm going to read it again. Uh, There is only one chain which binds us to life, and that is the love of life. The chain cannot be cast off, but it can be rubbed away, so that when necessity shall demand, nothing may retard or hinder us from being ready to do at once that which at some time we are bound to do. Okay, so you can see from these sentences uh, that this is how Seneca would have felt about this Spartan slave. He didn't have an attachment to life. He had learned how to die and therefore he had learned how to be free or he had unlearned slavery, right? And that meant that in the moment when necessity called, he was happy to do what he was always destined to do anyway, which is to leave life, right? But on his terms. And so you can see that Seneca placed a really high importance on this freedom of the soul, meaning you decide. You decide if you're going to become a slave or if you're not going to become a slave. And what he's not saying is that any time you feel uh, vaguely like uh, you might have to do something annoying or you don't want to do, then that is the time to leave life. No, Uh, what he is saying is that if there is a situation like this Spartan slave where it's basically like, you know, they're telling you, you have to do this or we'll kill you or you kill you, uh, you know, the Spartan slave left life in an honorable way, according to Seneca, uh, because he chose that he was going to leave on his terms and he was not going to become a slave just because he was captured as a slave does not mean that he had become a slave yet. Doing the action of a slave would have actually made him the slave. Well, that's at least how it appears to me, uh, based on the way that Seneca tells that story and also based on uh, his general thoughts about uh, learning how to die in order to unlearn slavery. So, uh, again, I hope that you've uh, enjoyed this episode. I hope that there's a lot of uh, interesting thought in here that you can take away and meditate on and see how it relates to you and your life. Uh, let me know what you think. Uh, I know that this, these, you know, talking about death and slavery and uh, and, uh, and and freedom, all these things, it's very complicated uh, philosophical concepts. Uh, but ultimately, I think that there's a lot of value in rediscovering this kind of very ancient way of looking at honor and duty and freedom and and, uh, and 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 character and the development of the goods of the soul. I think that these ideas can help you to see things in a completely different light. Uh, and uh, and perhaps what we're all hoping to do is balance this old way of thinking and uh, up against uh, you know the way that we currently see the world in our modern age. Uh, and and so have a think. How do you think about these ideas that Seneca gives us? What do you think about my commentary? Do you think that I got it right? Do you think that he perhaps uh, thought of it in a different way? Uh, and also, how do you think that these ideas uh, interact with the way that you currently see your death and your mortality? Uh, Uh, and, and also freedom. So again, I hope you've enjoyed this episode and I'll talk to you next time.